Well, good morning, church. It's good to see everyone. What an honor it is for me to be here at Beach Haven Baptist Church, and uh, what a joy it is for me to come and be uh, with your pastor as well. Uh, David and I have been friends for a number of years. We've worked together uh, on many different projects and different opportunities. David, of course, has uh, been a, a help to me. I worked for the North American Mission Board for many years, and David would give us tremendous help and advice as he was serving in one of our seminaries. And uh, now as a leader in our convention, as he served on the administration committee, the executive committee, and all these others, giving us a great deal of advice and wisdom. And I know that you're blessed to have him as your pastor, and I just want to say to you what a joy it is for me to come to be here at your church today. You're a part of a group of churches, 3,600 strong in Georgia, called the Georgia Baptist Convention. Uh, 1.4 million people. In fact, one in 10 Georgians is a Georgia Baptist, and we're blessed. There are more Georgia Baptist churches than there are McDonald's in Georgia, so get get a look for that. So the opportunity for us to make an impact is here before us, and our heart's desire at the mission board is to encourage and strengthen our pastors and staff, but also to strengthen our churches as well. And so we have the the field, our mission field is Georgia, and we are going to pursue them. Let me give you a stat that broke my heart as I was reading it just the other day. Seven out of ten people in Georgia did not go to church one time last year. Not for a funeral, a wedding, a service, or anything. Seven out of ten. And so the mission field is is before us. The need is great. The opportunity is even better. It's a chance for us to work and serve in 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 a harvest field that is really ripe and wide under harvest. And so if you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Mark chapter 2. And as you're turning, let me say this to you. Your church has been committed for many years uh, to, to missions, uh, not just missions here in reaching Clark County and reaching Athens, Georgia, and not just reaching Georgia, but you have been a, a faithful church in giving uh, to plant churches all across North America with the North American Mission Board to, to send missionaries all around the world. Do you know that there are missionaries, there are Baptists in parts of this world where there are no churches, and they're serving in areas where if they were found out They would either be put in jail or they would at best be kicked out of that country. And they're there to do Christ's work. They're there to fulfill the call upon their life that God has placed. They're there to be light in darkness. And so what's wonderful is your church has a part in that. Praying, going, and giving. So thank you for your heritage and your history of doing that. My hope is that God will bless us in the sense that we will see a greater harvest than ever before. Can I get an amen for that? Let me just tell you, if you don't amen me, I will roll my own, okay, if you know what I mean. So help me out here today because it's just me and Jesus up here, so I'd like for y'all to be here with me, all right? So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Mark chapter 2. Mark chapter 2, we have the familiar story of uh, Jesus uh, and the, the house there in Capernaum, and uh, the paralytic was brought to him. And, of course, we know what took place. Uh, this man's sins were forgiven, and his body was miraculously healed. But there was far more that took place that day than just those two miracles. And I want us to look together at this text. So if you'll give me this privilege, I'm, I'm going to kind of read through this and give you a little bit of uh, familiarity with the text, and then we'll come back and very quickly give us all a charge 
of what should happen, what should be our response to what we're hearing. Amen? Amen. Uh, I lost you there. Amen? Amen. Okay, easy. We don't want to get Pentecostal here. But anyway, (laughs) I'm just teasing with you. Mark chapter 2, verse 1. And again, it says, He entered Capernaum after some days, and it was heard that he was in the house. Immediately many gathered together so that there was no longer room to receive them, not even near the door. Now, you might say, well, that sure happened fast, didn't it? Well, Capernaum was a place that Jesus frequented. He was always going there. In fact, many scholars believe that he probably lived there uh, and spent much of his time there. It's a place where he would love to pull away, especially when things got, uh, well, just he got, became weary and needed to recharge his physical battery. Is there a place in your life that you just love to go? And when you go there in just a moment, everything kind of melts away and you feel immediately relaxed and recharged. Jesus had Capernaum. It was a sleepy little fishing village and in its heyday probably had about 1,500 residents. But it had a tremendous impact upon the world because from Capernaum, four of the 12 apostles came. So think about that for just a moment. A small little very strategically located city or town, had an impact upon the world. And what that tells us is no matter where you are, no matter how insignificant you might think your place of residence is, God knows right where you are. Now listen, and the Almighty can use you to change the world. And so we have this where Jesus is back in Capernaum, And now it says in the King James, it was noise. In other words, there was a a commotion. Everyone's talking about, he's back, he's back. And now they they had a a crowd that is gathered in this home, probably Peter's home, but we're not sure. But it just says he's back in the house. And so everyone now has walked in to greet him, walked in to see him again. And Jesus does what every preacher should do. He says in verse 2, he preached the word to them. Verse 3, then they came to him bringing a paralytic who was carried by four men. And when they could not come near him because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was. So when they had broken through, they let down the bed on which the paralytic was lying. And when Jesus saw their faith. Now let me stop there for just a moment. You have that on on the screen there at the very bottom. uh, You see when Jesus saw (laughs) their faith. I find that text and that verse extremely revealing. Um, our faith is in the invisible. That's why we call it faith. If you could see it, it doesn't require faith. And so we believe in what we cannot see, but we feel its power and presence. Just like the wind. You can't see the wind, but you feel its presence and see its effect. And so now our faith is in the invisible, but our faith is not invisible. In fact, Jesus saw their faith. In other words, he saw them responding to the faith they had. Their faith moved them to action. You know what James said? Faith without works is a dead faith. But a faith that's alive does what? Leads us to work. It leads us to a, a lifestyle or action that people can see and people know you are a person of faith. We do what we do because of what? We believe. You know what? People see your faith every day, whether it's weak or whether it's strong, whether it dominates and controls your life 
or whether it's just something that you practice on Sunday. But here's what I want you to understand. The Bible says that without faith it is impossible, listen, to please God. So obviously these men who are exercising their faith, they are pleasing God. And so Jesus saw their faith, and now he's responding to their faith. If you want the power of God upon your life, you ready? If you want the power of God upon your life, then you must live by faith. There's no need for anointing if you're in your comfort zone or in your comfort rut. But if you're stepping out in faith and saying, Lord, I'm doing what you're calling me to do, you are, listen, you are, you're required, Lord, I'm asking you, I need this for your empowerment. Here's what happens. Every time you and I step out in obedience, we know that God will give us the resources to fulfill what he's called us to do. Paul said it like this in Philippians, I can do all things through Christ who Paul did not mean you can do whatever you want. When he says you can do all things, what he's saying is everything that God has commanded us to do, you can do. Why? Because Christ will strengthen you to fulfill that call. You get the picture now. Faith is important. Faith leads us to do things that aren't ordinary. Faith causes us to want to do far more than we would do if we were just living for ourselves. And so he says to that paralytic, it's interesting, the response of Christ. There, there is this, this man being lowered down from a hole in the roof, and, and Jesus sees their faith, not just his, but theirs. You know your faith can affect the faith of others, right? You know that faith is contagious. When you and I live by faith, it encourages others. Billy Graham said, when a man of faith stands up, he stiffens the spine of everyone around him. And so when Jesus saw their faith, look how Christ responded to their faith. You ready? Son, your sins are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven you. Now, when those words were spoken, I want you to understand those are the sweetest words that will ever enter the human ear. Can I get an amen? amen. I like this church. There are a lot of things in life that were being spoken to me that were of great importance, which caused me to lean forward and listen closely. You ever had that moment? And it's an important moment. I remember on a New Year's Eve night years ago, I, I knelt down on one knee in front of the prettiest blue-eyed, blonde-haired girl I'd ever seen in my life, and I said, wilt thou? And she wilted. She said yes to my proposal. And I leaned in. Now, wait a minute. You said a yes, right? Okay. Why? Because, you see, her words were going to impact my life. I've heard this from the doctor twice. It's a girl. That impacted my life and my wallet. <laughs> uh, listen, I've heard this before. You made the team. Wow. Now, your third string, but you made the team. We need somebody to tackle, all right? I've heard this, you passed the, cl the class. I didn't hear that often, but you, 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 get, you get the picture. There are all kinds of things that you're told that have an effect upon your life. But I want you to know something. Of all the things that I've ever been told in my life, 
wonderful, good, exhilarating, amazing, they all pale in comparison to these words. Listen, you ready? Your sins are forgiven. Now, when Jesus spoke those words, I want you to know that there were some in that home that rejoiced because they too probably have heard those words from Jesus. I'm sure the other four men had heard that as well. That's why they were bringing their friend. But there were some there who saw this as being blasphemous. In fact, let's look at the next verse. I want you to see how some responded there. It says, and some of the scribes were sitting there and reasoning in their hearts. Why does this man speak blasphemies like this? Now, here's their question. You ready? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Now, I want you to know something. Their theology was spot on. Hear me. Only God can forgive sins. You ready? Now, you and I can forgive others who wrong us. Let me give you the the difference. If I were to do something to your pastor, Brother David, and and it was something that I did wrong to him, I could go to David and say, David, I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? And you know what you can do? You can forgive me, and that will restore our relationship. But you know what? That wrong that I did to him with a total lie or or whatever I may have done, that wrong (laughs) is still on my record. David can forgive me, and that clears it up between David and myself, but David cannot remove that wrong that I have done before the Almighty, the Holy and the Righteous One. But listen to what the Bible says that Jesus can do. 1 John chapter 1 says that if we will confess our sins, you ready? He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins wait, and cleanse us. In other words, only Jesus can forgive us of the debt. Now watch, and cleanse us, which means he makes us as if we have never sinned. How amazing. And so there are those saying only God can forgive sins. They are theologically correct. Where they found their error was they had no idea whose whose presence they were in. They were in the presence of God. But they did not know that. Let's keep reading because I want you to see how Jesus responds to those who were in disbelief. So it says in verse 8, But immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they reasoned thus within themselves, he said, Why do you reason about these things in your hearts? Now, let me stop for just a moment. Let me say this to you. We, We know that Jesus is the master teacher, right? And this is an opportunity for Jesus to teach not only those who were doubting and who were saying he's blaspheming, but teaching also others who may not know what authority he has. And so Jesus, as master teacher here, shows that um, he's he's going to open up class by asking a question, which is what great teachers do. And in the question he's asking, he's giving them the... uh, The thought of what if or what do you think? And so look what the question that he asks. And what what an amazing question. Look what he says here. He says, which is easier, the very bottom part here, to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven you, or to say, arise and take up your bed and wait, walk? Wait, wait a minute. And so Jesus asks this question, which is easier to say to this man who's paralyzed, Your sins are forgiven you. 
But then he brings up something else. Or would it be easier to say to the man who's paralyzed, get up and walk? Now, if I ask you that question, you would respond back to me saying, which is easier? <laughs> which is easier? They, they both are impossible, right? Without God. They both are impossible, humanly speaking. All right. Let me, let, me, let me take a detour of my detour, okay? When the man was being lowered down from the roof and Jesus spoke these words, your sins are forgiven you, what took place at that moment was a miracle. Okay, a miracle is when God invades the natural. Remember, he's the one that put all of nature, all of the natural in motion. He created it and said, all right, nature, do your thing. All right, now watch. But every now and then, God invades the natural and does the supernatural, which reveals to everyone there, oh my goodness, there's a power here greater than ours. Okay, you with me? So there was a miracle. However, this miracle was done in the realm of the spirit or the spiritual. Since it was a spiritual miracle, this is so important, there was no proof, <laughs> no evidence that it happened. Remember, it's, it was a thing of faith. And since there was no evidence that it happened, no way to prove it, that left room for debate and argument and doubt on and on. You could debate it all day long and for the next week. So Jesus then brings up the possibility of another miracle, but this miracle was in the realm of the physical. Since it was a physical miracle, what would happen there is it would be obvious. It would be visible. In fact, as this man who's paralyzed gets up and paralyzed, gets up and walks away, nobody would say, I don't believe that man who is walking is walking. In other words, what he's going to do is he's going to end the debate right here. Why? Jesus is about to bless this man <laughs> for the second time. Why? Jesus has already given to him the greatest gift that could, be ever, that could ever be given to a human. The gift of eternal life. Listen, friend, that's what you and I would long for more than anything else in this world if we had good sense. And now he's about to bless this man again. Watch this. But not for him. Which shows us something that's very important for us to learn in America. God doesn't bless us because he likes us more than others. He blesses us that we might be conduits of his blessing, that we might give him glory. So the next time you get this big blessing, don't think it's just for you. Start asking God, how do you want me to use this to bring you glory? I see a lot of UGA students here today. Praise the Lord. Go dogs. Thank you. For those of you from tech, he's speaking in tongues, all right? <laughs> You're about to leave an institution with an education. But here's what I want you to say. I want you to see, I don't think you went to Georgia <laughs> to just get a degree. My prayer is that you're looking at where you are through spiritual eyes and you're, you're knowing that your God didn't place you where he placed you just so you get a degree.
He wants you to be a missionary on that campus. And then he wants to bless you with a job. And that blessing is for you to use so that all that you receive is a, listen, is turned around to give him glory. To give him glory. You're a doctor, great. Give him glory. You're a teacher, great. Give him glory. Can you sing like these up here? Great. Then use it to give him glory. All right, you with me? So he's about to be healed for the second time. And then Jesus says, he explains to them why he's about to heal this man. And it wasn't because he wanted this man to walk. He wants them to understand something. What Jesus has the power and authority to do. Let's look at the next verse. And I want you to see this. But this is Jesus explaining this to us. But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, get up. <laughs> Y'all see that? Get up. I want you to show them that I have the power and authority to forgive sins. That's the important thing. Not that I can say to a man who's paralyzed, get up, and he does. Oh, that doesn't matter. Man, you, listen, you're going to walk streets of gold. You're going to live forever in the presence of the Father, the Almighty. Because your sins have been forgiven. And I want everyone to know that I am Messiah. That I am the Christ. And I have authority to forgive sin. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that wonderful? You with me? All right, watch this. <laughs> Immediately he arose, took up the bed, and went out in the presence of them all, so that all were amazed. Well, I can understand. And what did they do? They glorified God. Right there. All right, my work's accomplished. You're glorifying God. And then here's what they say. We never saw anything like this. Isn't faith important? Isn't faith important? You see, friend, we are not gonna, we're not going to change this world until we start living by faith. Do you know what the Greek is for we, we never saw anything like this? I don't either. I don't have a clue. <laughs> I was hoping maybe one of y'all did. I'll look that up when I get home. But anyway. <laughs> maybe it's the Greek word, wow. And you know what? I believe with all my heart. God didn't just save us <laughs> so that we can wait till we die to get to heaven. God saved us and placed in us the Holy Spirit that he might guide our lives and empower us as we live by faith so that we would be used by him to bring him glory. Can I get an amen? amen. And so in our time left, which is brief, and I'm aware of it. I want to talk to you about some people who are just like you. 
some people that God used to make this moment happen. It's the four guys. Can we go back to verse 3? I think it is. Can you put that back up on the screen for us? Verse 3. Then they, that's all, that's all we got. Then they came to him. <laughs> in other words, these guys are so insignificant in their positions that they go unnamed. And you know how we, listen, this is so important. You know how we know them? We know them by their faith. In other words, we know them by their actions. In fact, what's so amazing is these four guys who are unnamed and literally unknown other than by their actions, watch this, their faith has been an example for Christians to learn from for 2,000 years. In fact, their faith will be an example for believers until Jesus comes back. <laughs> How awesome is that? And you know what's amazing? Hey, you ready? That can be you. If, if God can use average Job's <laughs> by doing a very average thing, wow, what can God do with you? So can we look at these four guys and just see a couple things about them that you and I need to um, incorporate into our lives and into the philosophy of how we're going to live for the Lord? Y'all with me? Amen? All right, you ready? Number one, I think I got these right. Number one, they were um, carrying believers, C-A-R-R-Y-I-N-G, okay? If you're jotting down notes, they were carriers. They were carrying <laughs> believers. You say, well, that's good. That's obvious. But uh, what's the significance of that? I am so glad you asked that. <clears throat> because what that shows, now this is, this is what I mean by this. What that shows is in these four guys was a willingness, a willingness to adjust themselves to meet people who needed Christ and meet them at their point of need. Y'all with me? So, this man has a physical problem. He has a, a, a he's, he's, he's unable to walk. So, these four guys want to get the man who can't walk to Jesus. So, what do they have to start? They have to start a ministry for <laughs> carrying people who can't walk. Because they could have been great inviters, yet that wouldn't have worked. You know what? Some of our ministries that we have done for a long time, you ready? Used to work. But they don't work anymore because the culture and the people that we're trying to reach with the gospel, it's changed from the 70s. And so what we must always be doing is looking for new ways of sharing the timeless and never-changing gospel. So how we get it out is, is based upon what the needs of the culture is, meeting them at that point of need. He needed four guys to carry him. And so these four guys, in, you ready? Inconvenienced themselves. That's not a word we use very often anymore, is it? 
we view church as it ought to be conveniencing us, don't we? Because we see ourselves as consumers. You know that we're here for an audience of one today, right? In other words, this isn't about you today. This is about Jesus. And what, what we desire is for the Holy Spirit to speak to all of us so that all of us would respond to the one that we're worshiping today. And what he wants us to do is be willing to adjust our lives to meet people at their point of need and help them. And so what needs to happen for all of us is this. We need to, we need to take a fresh look at our community. Take a fresh look at Athens. Take a fresh look at Clark County and say, Lord, where do you want us to serve? How do you want us to change what we do so that we're more effective than ever before at reaching those that are lost? Because I promise you, what, what reached me back in the 60s, doesn't that sound old to say that? Probably is not going to work today. So let's just be willing to really evaluate our lives and adjust to the needs. All right, number two. Let me come up to my notes because I had a Diet Coke this morning. Amen. So they were willing to adjust. They were caring Christians. Here's the other thing I want you to see is this, that they were, um, they were cooperating believers. And I'm going to tell you something. This is really important for the church. Because I can promise you right now, there's a, a large group of people here. And I can tell you, there is an even larger group of, of or a larger list, let me say that way, of opinions about how things should be done everywhere. Right? Let me tell you what should supersede your opinion or your preferences. You ready? The call upon our lives. These four guys worked together. Though one may have had a better idea or another idea about how they ought to carry their friend or which way they ought to go, they all worked together because, here's, listen, ready? Because they all had the same purpose and the same passion and the same priority. I'm going to tell you what's an unstoppable force. You ready? A united church. Because what happens is you create so much momentum, you cannot be stopped. If everybody's doing their own thing, you won't be going anywhere. United. Number three, they were caring, C-A-R-I-N-G. You say, Thomas, why is that important? All right, you ready? If you don't care, you won't carry. Because carrying is hard work. And what's happened in so many of our lives is this. Our care button broke a couple of years ago, and we don't even know it. And so what we care about now is us. And what we are called to do is die to our the only way that I can live fully empowered <laughs> by the Holy Spirit is to die to myself. Amen? And then what, what happens is then Jesus fills my life with what I should be caring about. <laughs> Remember what he says, pray anything in my name and I'll give it to you? 
<laughs> well, I promise you, he's not saying pray whatever for whatever you want, and I'll give it to you. No, no, pray for anything in my name. In other words, in my will, or that, that lines up with what the kingdom should, is about. The last one, you ready? They were, they were creative. And, and even with that word creative, I could even say this. They were, uh, they were urgent. I could put so many other things because, you see, to be creative, there has to be a sense of urgency because creativity forces us to work. I, I can keep doing the same old thing over and over again. That, that doesn't take a lot of work. Why? Because we all know where to go, what to do, when to get there and all that stuff. But if I'm going to be creative, there's got to be a lot of man hours. And what is God leading us to do? There's got to be a lot of man hours and, and, and work to create the new. New is work. So many churches today across America aren't doing anything new. While the world is rapidly changing. So they were creative. You see, the door was the traditional way of getting into that house back then. Isn't that something? But the doorway was not going to work on that particular day. But these guys were so committed to getting their friend to Jesus that they did something that had never been done before. They said, we're going we're to open a door on the ceiling. Man, what would happen if we said, whatever it takes. <laughs> preach that way today. You're like, well, people don't usually preach like that. They usually give you four ways to have a better day. Well, let me give you, all right, ready? Die to yourself. Live for Jesus sacrifice, be a giver. Those are four ways to have a better day. Amen? I'm losing you. All right. Urgency, passion. And I'm going to tell you what, watch this. When we model what these four guys do, when we live by faith, here's what I want you to understand. Then the Holy Spirit empowers us. God engages with us. And the world sees that Jesus changes lives. Can I ask you a question? Is there somebody in your life right now that needs you to adjust your life to get them to Jesus? Somebody in your life right now that needs Christ and the question is for you, are you going to grab a corner? Amen. Let me ask you this question. These words spoken by Jesus, your sins are, what would you say? Forgiven. Forgiven. Have you, ever, have you ever, heard, ever heard those words from Jesus? In other words, what I'm asking you is, have you ever taken a step of faith and committed your life? To Jesus. Have you ever come to the realization that you are a sinner and you need a Savior who can forgive sin? That you came to the realization that God is a holy and a just God and your sin separates you from Him. And listen, and what happens at that moment in which you leave this earth, you take your last breath, that sin debt stays upon you and God is a God of wrath and a God of love. God will punish sin, but he doesn't want to. That's why he provided a way by which your sin can be forgiven. But if you refuse his love, you will refuse it.
for all of eternity. But right now, you can experience it by saying yes. Placing your faith in Jesus. And when Jesus sees your faith, he will say to you, your sins are forgiven. Are you ready for that right now? Would you be willing to do that right now? Is the Holy Spirit of God speaking to your heart saying, you need this? Then let's do it together. Would you bow your heads for just one moment? In the privacy of where you're seated right here.